Today on Clear Approach, it's allergy season, and we go over what you need to know as a pilot regarding allergies and allergy medications. Then, a brief primer on the Human Innovation Motivation Study Program with the FAA. All this and more coming up on the Mayo Clinic Clear Approach podcast, your home for aerospace medicine that matters. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Mayo Clinic Clear Approach podcast. This is Dr. Van, your medical co-pilot. If I sound a little different today, I'm trying a new software, and I also have one heck of a sore throat for some odd reason today. I think probably allergies, so uh, forgive me for that. First up, as always, a little flying update, because that's what everyone's most interested about. As everyone may remember, I finished up my private pilot's license training recently, and I've already transitioned into starting my IFR training. But more importantly, the weather has been good, and so I've been able to get out a few times finally with my family. Another lifelong dream there come true. Took my wife out for a nice flight and dinner up in Minneapolis, and also got a chance to take out my youngest son for a flight, which he absolutely loved. And fortunately, nobody puked, which is always a win. This weekend, if the weather is good, I am hopefully going to be taking my first flight on SR-20. Uh, luckily, the school here in Rochester, Minnesota is one of the serious training centers. And I've had a thing for this airplane ever since I first saw one. And for me, the parachute system is like having a brother that's a tax lawyer. A really, really good thing to have, but you hope you really never have to use it. Alright, it's time to get to the subject of today's podcast. It's that time of year again. Well, sort of, if you're in Minnesota. That time of year when the grass starts getting greener, the flowers are starting to bloom and pop up, and the parking lot of Home Depot is packed every weekend. And if you're like me, it's also that time of year for scratchy throats and itchy eyes and rashes, aka allergy season. That wonderful time of year when Mother Nature reminds us who's really the boss. And with that change, I thought I would talk a little bit about allergies and allergy medications and what you need to know as a pilot before you head down to your local pharmacy. So first up, what are allergies? Well, there can be a lot of different allergies. For example, there's seasonal allergies or food allergies or chemical allergies. But in particular today, we are talking about seasonal allergies. To grossly oversimplify, and to summarize an entire month-long course in medical school in two, just a few sentences, when our body is exposed to a foreign substance, whether it be like pollen or mold spores or ragweed, our body reacts by releasing a variety of chemicals. One of these main chemicals is something called histamine. And when this is released, we get the classic symptoms of seasonal allergies, such as sneezing or itchy eyes or throat, runny nose red eyes, and so forth. The severity of these symptoms can range from being just a minimal nuisance to being quite severe for some patients. And that's all I'm going to say about the pathophysiology of allergies. What I really want to talk about today are the medications used to treat allergies. These can be basically broken down into two groups, nasal sprays and pills that you take by mouth. Let's go over the nasal sprays first. 
So believe it or not, one of the first treatments for seasonal allergies is a plain old nasal saline spray. A simple nasal saline rinse can be helpful for mild symptoms. It can also be used before other nasal sprays to help clean out and prepare your nose and nasal mucosa for receiving medication. And one of the best things about nasal saline is that it's just water. So there are no medication side effects or interactions that you would need to worry about. The other major form of nasal spray treatment are what are known as the glucocorticoid nasal sprays. And these are nasal sprays that have a little bit of steroid in them. And despite popular opinion, the glucocorticoid nasal sprays are actually the most effective single treatment for allergic rhinitis and also one of the safest. Now, this group of medications includes things like fluticasone, also known as Flonase, and Mometasone, also known as Nasonex. These medications used to be prescription, but are now available over the counter. Now, some of you out there may be really hesitant about using a nasal spray with steroids, but I'm happy to tell you that you're not going to turn into the Incredible Hulk with using these sprays. There have been a lot of studies looking at how the body absorbs steroids after using a nasal steroid spray. And fortunately, we do not see evidence of a systemic effect. The effect tends to be limited right at the nasal mucosa. Now, despite the evidence that steroid nasal sprays are very helpful in the first-line treatments for allergies, many patients are really wary about using them. And there's two main reasons for them. First, it can sometimes take a few doses for the nasal sprays to start working. So many patients will just try one dose of a spray when they're having itchy eyes and so forth, not get any effect, and then they toss the bottle. The other factor is that just like a crosswind landing, technique really matters when it comes to using nasal sprays. So first up, when you take the bottle out of the package, you have to prime it before you use it. So that means that you should pump the bottle a little bit like a bottle of Windex, until you see mist coming out. That means the medicine is ready to be dispersed. Many patients will just take the bottle out of the package, stick it in their nose and spray, and of course they're not getting any effect because they're not getting any spray into their nose. You also don't need to shove the nasal spray way up into your brain like Total Recall. You just want to take the nasal spray tip and put it right inside of your nostril, aiming away from your septum, which is in the middle of the nose. The reason for that is that the nasal sprays can cause a little bit of irritation and really rare cases perforation of the septum of the nose. Also, when spraying the medication into your nose, you want to tilt your head downward and take a big snort while you are doing this. If you don't, the medicine will just end up trickling out of your nose and end up on the floor where it won't do you any good. Now, it's important to note that the steroid sprays are not the only nasal sprays that are out on the market. There are also things called decongested nasal sprays, and that would be things like oxymetazolone, phenylephrine. You might recognize the names as things like Astelin. Now, these medications do have effect, but unlike the nasal steroid sprays, they can be associated with some significant side effects, one of those being rhinitis medicamentosa. Now, I know that sounds like some sort of pizza, but it's nowhere near as enjoyable. Basically, it's a situation where if someone uses too much topical decongestant sprays, you can get a rebound nasal congestion that occurs. So it will actually make your symptoms worse. And this can sometimes happen even after just a week or two of use. So use these with caution. 
All right, moving onward, let's talk about the oral medications. And I'm just going to go ahead and summarize those as oral antihistamines. As I mentioned earlier, histamine is one of the primary chemicals that causes our symptoms. And so we have many medicines out there that have been developed to block the effect of histamine. Antihistamines can be divided into two big groups, first and second generation agents. The first generation antihistamines includes medications like diphenhydramine, otherwise known as Benadryl, or chlorpheniramine, otherwise known as chlorotramiton. Now, these medications work very well for blocking histamine. Unfortunately, they also work really well for causing sedation. In fact, we sometimes use Benadryl for sedation or help with sleep in the hospital. And if you've ever used a Benadryl, you probably know how powerful this medication can be. The first-generation antihistamines are a big no-no when it comes to the FAA. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Because of these side effects, the second-generation antihistamines were developed. Second-generation antihistamines include things like cetirizine or loratadine, otherwise known as claritin. And these medications are fortunately much less sedating. Now, the key point of information to note from that statement is that the medications are less sedating. They can theoretically still cause some sedation. Now, these medications are pretty effective and they work very quickly, usually within an hour of taking the pill. And just to make things more complicated, there are also antihistamine nasal sprays, such as azelastine or olopatadine. These can be quite effective as well, like the glucocorticoid nasal sprays. So those are the medications used to treat allergies in a nutshell. Hopefully, you're not allergic to nuts. So now that you know about allergy medications, let's talk about what you should know about the FAA and the treatment of allergies. Of course, everyone out there listening to this podcast is a perfect pilot that would never do anything to risk operational safety. And so you completely understand when I say that if you have any symptoms related to your allergies that would interfere with your ability to operate an aircraft safely, like constant sneezing, watery eyes, distracting sore throat, you, of course, should not fly. The FAA classifies allergy medications into three big buckets. First up is with new medications. So let's say you decide to try a new medication for treatment of your seasonal allergies. If you try a new medication, you need to have a 48-hour window of no flying after that to see how the medication affects you. And this makes sense because there can be allergic reactions to allergy medications, so you never really know how it's going to make you feel. You don't really want to find out that loratadine gives you terrible diarrhea 30 minutes into your cross-country flight. The next bucket of medications is called the acceptable medications. These are medications that you can use to treat your seasonal allergies and do not require a post-dose waiting time. Of course, you can go to the FAA website and review all the medications in the acceptable category, but I'll just quickly read them off here for everyone that's listening. Acceptable medications include Clarinex, Claritin, Allegra, nasal sprays Astapro or Astalin, Montelukast, otherwise known as Singulair, all of the nasal corticosteroid sprays, and all of the nasal decongestant sprays, like again, Sudafed or Afrin. One special caveat, if you use the olopatadine nasal spray, which again is one of the antihistamine nasal sprays, not a corticosteroid nasal spray, that does require a longer initial trial period of 7 days versus 48 hours. The next big bucket is known as conditionally acceptable medications. And these are medications that you could use to treat your allergies, but also require a waiting period after each dose. 
Obviously, this group of medications includes the first-generation antihistamines, such as Benadryl, Unisom, and Chlorotramaton. But it also includes some second-generation antihistamines, such as Zyrtec and Zizol. Each of these medications has a unique waiting period. For example, if you use Benadryl, you have to wait 60 hours before you can return back to flight. The overall strategy for determining the waiting period is that you must wait five times the half-life of the medication or five times the maximal dosing interval. So if a medication requires you to use it every four to six hours, you must wait five times six or 30 hours before you can fly after using the medication. Now, there is a completely unacceptable category as well, and that includes a single medication called Hismanol which is actually no longer on the market due to several serious side effects. To finish things off, there is one important thing to know about all of the medications that I mentioned above. While you can use some of these medications to treat your allergies, pilots are not allowed to take oral medications or use nasal sprays on a daily basis. The theory behind this is that if you require daily medications on a year-round basis, your symptoms are very severe and could impact flight safety and your medical certification will need further review by the FAA. I hope you enjoyed that information about medications and that this gives you some guidance next time you go to the pharmacy to help treat that runny nose of yours. I wanted to just touch really briefly about a totally separate subject that I have just recently become part of. And that's what's known as the HIMSS program with the FAA. If you've never heard of it, it's probably a good sign. HIMSS stands for the Human Innovation Motivation Study. And this is the program that assists aviators who are struggling with substance abuse as well as mental health conditions. And when I say I've just recently become part of the HIMSS program, it's not because uh, something has happened. It's because I was finally able to obtain the official training for this by the FAA. And going forward, I'll be one of the HIMSS aviation medical examiners here at the Mayo Clinic. Now, of course, this is a very important program for many aviators out there. And as I go forward to helping pilots recover, I plan to share some information about HIMSS uh, in future podcast episodes. Well, that's our episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. And from this episode, you get some good relief through the allergy season. Remember, as always, that this podcast is an offshoot of our Mayo Clinic Clear Approach teleconsulting service. If you are a pilot and you have a medical question that you need answered, you can log on to our website at mayoclinic.org and send our team a message. And we'll get back to you within about 24 to 48 hours. Of course, we always welcome feedback about the show, including questions and comments. If you'd like to leave one for us, just visit our podcast website at mayoclinic.blueberry.net. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.net. Until next time, this is Dr. Van, your medical co-pilot, wishing you great flying and even better health.